No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world, and uh, pretty excited to announce that we got one of the greatest all-time rappers in this bitch, Jadakiss. How you doing, man? Feeling honored, man. You know what I mean? I, it feels like, you know, even I have 20-plus years in the game to, to, to make it the No Jumper. <laughs> sort of made it, you know, in today's... In today's is that so? climate of today, yeah. Nori yeah. told me that he follows me on Instagram about 15, nah, more than that, 30 or 40 times during his interview. So, you know, that you know. That, that, that that was unbelievable. I don't See? know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Controlling the y'all controlling the population out here. Man. Wait, but so you're tuned in? Are you are you paying attention to the up and coming rappers and and when they come to us, you're sort of seeing that as like them being verified to a certain extent? Uh, I would say, you know. Y'all, y'all the real deal. You know, before I knew anything about it, the, the conversation and the the praise of No Jumper was like, yo, Kiss, you got a new album rollout. You got to get on No Jumper. And, wow. And from my son, my son and his crew and, you know, the marketing team, Digital, everybody just... I don't care what they make you do. You better try to get on no jumper. So I'm like, I need no jumper. And they're like, yeah, we're going to get it. So, Damn. you know, to finally be here. That's crazy because for, for me on a personal level, I feel like people always ask me, like, who's your favorite rapper that you ever interviewed? And I kind of always go back to Ghostface just because, you yeah. know. Tony Starks the, is a great one. The 13-year-old version of myself would have been, like, unbelievably impressed by the adult <laughs> version of myself getting to interview Ghostface, so that's one I always come back to. I feel like this one, I, I couldn't mention the Ghostface one without also being like, man, I got Jada on there. No doubt. That's a that's a blessing and an honor, man. But, yeah, yeah y'all, y'all, you know, I'm sure you know the caliber of y'all impact on the culture, but just in case you don't, from from my side, is is big shit. is is super, Damn. you know. It's, a, it's definitely an accomplishment on um, when you touch No Jumper and you got a new project out or you're about to drop something or whatever you're trying to do. If you, you can make it here, you you damn near on the right path. More than damn near. You, damn. You're on the right path. It means a lot. A couple months ago, I'm sitting in downtown Manhattan and uh, I'm with my assistant Laura and a couple of my guys and I, I see a guy walking, getting into a sprinter van and I actually said to my friend, I go, look at this dude. He thinks he's a skinny-ass Jada Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and then you turned a little bit, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's the real Jada Kiss. And yeah. I was actually, like, really clowning the real Jada Kiss. Just, just a little bit, just be like, man, this dude, like, he really looked like he's, like, trying to look like Jada. Like, I was really trying to get my boy's attention. And then yeah. I realized it was really you, and I was like, holy shit, this guy's... He's got a new lease on life. It looks great. That's funny. Yeah, man. You know, the health thing, um, we ain't getting no no younger, so. And, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to work out or the less enthusiastic you are about working out. So I just try to get a jump on it about four or five years ago, I say now. Um, definitely big shout out to my brother, Styles P. He's very influential on my whole health makeover and becoming a uh, pescatarian. Mm. You know, he's working on getting me straight plant-based, but, you know, it's a slow process. You can't go cold turkey on your diet or however you was raised eating. You got to 
weed off of things slow, but um, I made it to a pescatarian, so I'm working on so Styles, working on plant based. Styles SP. was the first one. Yeah, he started. He was vegan. He was vegetarian, then vegan, then eventually plant based. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we got four juice bars. Yeah, one in Brooklyn, two in the Bronx, one in Yonkers. Juices for life. If you have an area, stop through. It's on me. It's kind of crazy to think how early you guys were on that. Whereas now, the whole world is a really, lot of juice yeah. spots in New York now that you in places where you never would have thought you'd see a juice spot. Yeah, um, we 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 wanted to bring health awareness to our people. You know, to the hoods is always a food desert. You go to eat is. Right. Your choices are usually something bad for mm-hmm. you, so we try to put them in those type of spots, give the people a good option opposed to just a bunch of greasy, mm. bad things. There's so many times in your life where you're like, you're looking at the fried chicken joint and the burger joint and the bodega, and you're just like... Every choice is not good, so... <laughs> all these choices even, are weak. However you narrow it down, it's still going to be unhealthy, but, um, you yeah. know... But, I, that's part of it. So, like, what's what is your allow me to be a fucking health nut here for a second? Because I just lost a whole bunch of weight too, and I've been very much focused on the same thing of just completely changing my quality of life and everything. But what do you tend to go towards when you got to eat a meal when you're out in public? Because obviously, it's easy when you're at home. It's a little bit more challenging Dude, when you're out hard, in the streets. It's carbs, you know. Mm. Might get some fries or baked potato or salad or grilled salad or grilled shrimp salad or something for me since I still eat fish. But um, it ain't that hard. It's more harder when you straight plant-based. Oh, yeah. When we on tour, we got to go to Whole Food. We got to do a whole, SP got a whole separate agenda when when it's time to eat. So you got Sheik, you got me in the middle, and then you got Pete. He want to go straight in the forest to get his food, (laughs) so. Wait, so is Sheik still fully? No, nah, Sheik's regular. He don't eat pork or okay. none of that. But nah, he, he hasn't gone as far as you guys in terms of really uh-uh. caring about. He, he was working out before all of us, so he's oh, okay. always, you know, he's already super brolic. But um, he does right. He lays off of the things here and there, but he eats he eats freely for the most part. It's fucking crazy for me because it's like I can divide up my Jada fandom into like different eras. Like it was very much like '97, '96 when we were first seeing you for the first time and the whole big boy or the bad boy era. Yeah. And then like 2007, it's like realistically rappers rarely have like a 10 year career span. But then there was like a whole different era, like the Champions Here mixtape and all that shit mm-hmm. during that era. And then I get to thinking about the fact that the, you're still super relevant as a rapper 13 years after that. It's crazy. Pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, to have a career, you know, this is this is like the NFL, this hip-hop industry. Not for long. So you can make a career out of it. You got to be blessed, you know, able to put my son through college, see him graduate in psychology, buy my mom a house, blow a bunch of money on a bunch of dumb shit in the early years. <laughs> you know, but to be a business owner and still going, still financially great is a beautiful thing, is a blessing. Right, yeah, to, to have been able to blow that money early in the career and then actually get it back and be able to get yourself right afterwards, a lot of us know that feeling. Yeah, it's the Will Smith, he did it. Nobody did it like him, though. He was up, down, up, and then super up. <laughs> So <laughs> that's real. But a lot of these dudes really have to they have to dip into a whole lot of different bags in order to make their career last over the years. Like so many of your peers, when you really think about it, because I'm looking at all the dudes that you had songs with on the old albums and everything. And it's such a large percentage of them either like 
just aren't really relevant as rappers anymore. They're gone, straight up gone, locked up, something like that. Or just people ain't really trying to hear him rap anymore. So it's pretty. Or 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 a lot of people end up going and doing movies. They end up getting bags in different ways. Mm -hmm. They start separate businesses. Not that you haven't done that as well, but I mean, you're still someone who your fans want to hear you rap, and that seems like that's what you're primarily concerned with. Yeah, I still the passion is still there. The fire is still there. I still love music. I still love hearing it. I still love making it. So. Until I until I don't feel like that any longer, I won't, you know, I'll keep making it. But when I lose that feeling, I'll, I'll push back from the tape. Mm, definitely. But do do you see yourself as someone who is like really a lyricist at heart? Like that's something that you just care about more than the fame or the money or, or anything else like that. Is that something that primarily has, appeals to you more specifically than a lot of your peers? Definitely, I would say that anybody who came in around. Around when I came in, for, would feel that same type of way too. But then there's artists that came after. Um, I would say Drake feels like that. I would say mm. J. Cole feels like that. I would say uh, Two Chains. I would say a lot of, you know, Big Sean. There's a lot of dudes that they're very lyrical, but they know how to do. They know how to ride the thin line of whatever today's sound is mm. with lyrics. And I, I think that makes today's great artists. Right. If you came from when I came from, lyrics overpowered everything. The beat, the hook, the dance, all of that. It, we when, when I first came, it was lyrics over everything. And then it kind of gradually, the hooks came and the beat. And then when it went to Atlanta, the whole format switched, the beat, Hooks, lyrics was last mm. to in in some cases because you still got Ti and you still got Luda and you still had Jeezy and all of the dudes you know early three stacks you know what I mean so they did they found that good line of how to put the the formula together but as it got older lyrics became more and more the less ingredients in the right. in the music so. But nowadays it seems like these kids are competing more on melodies than anything else. Melodies, but it, sound effects, <laughs> uh, a dance to it, mm. whatever, whatever works. But is 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 more microwavable now. Mm. And, and Hot Pockets is probably one of the biggest selling things in the supermarket business. But a meal prepared on the stove by your wife or your mom or your favorite restaurant. Always tastes better than something out of the microwave. Right. No, I mean, yeah. So but is I there, compare it like that. Is there any extent to which you are able to respect the kids who seem like they're more concerned about coming out with melodies and hooks? Which is, is, it's an odd state of affairs because it's like you making an album in you know the late 90s, you probably had producers or labels or Puff telling you that you needed to add more melodies, that you needed to get more serious about the hooks. Well, These I didn't kids even want to do that back then. Right. See, that's that's also the evolvement in music because he couldn't force us to do that mm. when it was, you know, the golden era or when it was dumb times. You couldn't. We just wanted to rap. He actually had to make us start rhyming less we hmm. when we got there he showed us how to chop it down to 16s and you know what i mean we we wanted to rhyme a lot every time we would rhyme and we would all want to do 24 48 bar you know and he showed us how to 
gradually make songs and now would trim the fat and you know start making creating songs opposed to just rapping we came in with the first passion to just kill shit just rhyming you know because when i go back and listen to your old albums there's always like a couple songs that i'm like this is the song and this is the song that sounds like the songs that would sound different if he had been able to just make these songs exactly how he wanted, wanted to but then i'm also thinking about the fact that these young kids a lot of times half the album sounds like that like sounds like very melodic very hooky mm-hmm. and they're doing it themselves like so, a lot of times the, the label doesn't have to tell them and do that to them that's just polar sides of the same thing is they make crazy aggressive gangster music and then they make sing-songy lovey music mm-hmm. and it just happens naturally they just that that to them makes sense and they don't see it as warring sides yeah no that's the that's the sign of the times changing <laughs> 100 percent um so have you totally stopped smoking or you still got a little bit in you nah i smoke oh, okay heavily yeah. hell yeah okay what do you smoke these days well today and in yesterday i've been smoking you know oh oh okay i smoke about a zip a day you know that's impressive maybe more maybe less here and there depending on the weather but what do you put it in smoke paper fonto Backwoods. Switch it up. Yeah. You know, whatever's available. That's good to know. Because I feel like so many rappers that I love just at a certain point just stop smoking weed and then you just hear them rap about smoking weed and you're like, come on. Yeah. Nah, I'm a, uh, I love weed. Shout out to Cheeks and Chong. <laughs> Shout out to Cheeks and Chong. <laughs> um, they the first people I've ever seen with weed up. Like, you know. Right. They should... Those dudes are legendary. Definitely, yeah. I interviewed Tommy Chong, and he's he's kind of on a different planet these days. Yeah, I follow him on the gram, so he got a lot of memes. He's ill. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much of those are him. <laughs> but okay, do you when you listen to your older music, what do you think of your voice from like twenty years ago? Because it's definitely been a change. Like on this new album, yeah. it sounds raspier than ever. But then you also have like the cleanest vocals that I probably ever heard you do on this album as well. Um. I don't know. A lot of it was was like on the closure. I was crying, so you could hear that. You could hear me after crying, like you could hear my voice cracking because I was crying actually while I was recording it. Mm. And um, that was that. But uh, I don't know. It's just my voice changing. My voice, you know, it's getting raspier as the years go. Mm. You ever <laughs> wonder about what like a seventy-five-year-old Jada Kiss voice might sound like? Uh, my granddad was. My granddad was a little raspy too. My pops is raspy. My my one of my sons, one of the twins, Josh, he got a raspy. He got a little voice, bit of it too. Yeah, so that's just inherent. That's just in, in our DNA. Right. Now, yeah, I remember I, like as a young kid, I kind of had a little bit of insecurity because I felt like my voice sort of sounded like a muppet or some shit. And then I just started smoking a lot of weed for like twenty years, and all of a sudden my voice sounded a little bit more raspy, and I could appreciate it a no little doubt. more. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it's like that. Um. Okay. So. This album, like, what in particular has you excited about it? And, like, how is it different? Well, the from- most, because it, it wasn't, it's a it's a dedication to my, my homie that I lost from colon cancer. So it was a real different process. But the what made me happy was completing it, you know, mm-hmm. completing the process. And this past week after releasing it, uh, I got nice, long, heartfelt phone calls from both of his kids, mothers, his youngest son and his oldest daughter, they really uh 
appreciated the project and told me they listened to it numerous times and cried and loved every song and wow. appreciated me, you know, carrying on his name and his legacy. So for me, it was like grand opening, grand closing. Of course, I would love to stream like Thriller or We Are The World and all that, but of course that's not going to happen. But for me to complete the project and then his family, his kids' mothers and, you know, his loved ones to embrace it and receive it and, and love it, that was good for me. That's all I really set out to do. Of course you want the people to love it, but I really, it was a really personal, a personal project that, you know. Right. That I made for him and for them, so. But you lost a lot of people over the years. What was it about him that you really felt you, like you had this much to get off your chest about it? I'd never seen it coming. Like He was one of the healthiest dudes ever. Um, he was a different type of person that was able to always keep his poise, always be the good energy for no matter what type of situation or what type of dilemma we were in. He was always like, it'll be all right, and we're going to get it done, we're going to get through it, don't worry about it. I got the, I got the answer, or we're going to figure something out, so... I used to speak to him every morning right. for at least seven, eight, ten years every morning to get a plan. Yo, you working out? You got to start working out. Yo, this that time you go in the studio, this producers, uh, uh, art shows, uh, your branding, merch, just everything. You would think I was his kid, like how much he was concerned about, you know, my well-being and my career and things of that nature. But um, then when it, when it hit him, the colon cancer, he he didn't want me to know. Wow. So whoever was with him fighting, he had them keep me in the dark. So I just thought he was handling things, and I didn't know he was going through what he was going through. So right. when I finally found out in the office, somebody came to me and like, yo, did you know? And I mean, then I... I when they got to the bottom of it, they let me finally let me go up and see him in the hospital. He wasn't even the same person that I knew. Then the next day or the day after that, he passed away. So after going to the funeral, wake services, memorials, all that, it still didn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. I still needed, it was still weighing on me because I found out at the end, like every people who knew they was able to go through it with him and, you know, let it go. and. I was still like, couldn't believe it. So the only way for me to get it off my back or, you know, get some closure with it was to do the project. And I said, I'm gonna name it after him. Put the, I'm gonna make the cover all the actual painting. I'm gonna do features that he always asked me to do. I'm gonna do post-production. I'm gonna sing on it. I'm gonna do every little thing he would ever be on my back about in the studio that I would always ignore him. What were the on, features he wanted you to do? Pusher. Oh, um, he always wanted me and Push to do a song. He always wanted me to work with John Legend. He was a big fan of Dej Loaf's sonicness. Uh, Who sounds insane on your album. Yeah, she came back with Fierce. I heard Charlamagne saying that and I, I, before I listened to the album. She and then I listened fierce. to it and I'm like, what the fuck? He's, he ain't yeah. not lying. His vocals are crazy. Dej sounds ill. Um, Todd Dolla Sign, big fan. It's all of them feet. Two Chains, he loved Two Chains' voice and... He loved how he put his bars together, so 
me just trying to do all of that in his name and memory it just felt good once it was complete and felt even better once his 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 loved ones you know appreciated it to the fullest how do you feel about that overall mentality of sort of hiding what you're going through from your friends because you sound like you might have been able to process the whole thing a little bit better if you had known about it leading up to it but as men you know, it's kind of tempting to, like, take all your emotional baggage and, and not share it with other people in your life. Yeah, for what he did for Rough Riders, for what he did for me, for, you know, how much he lent a helping hand, whether he got paid or not, I just felt like something that severe, I would have loved to help him out any way I could have, financially, just being there or anything. You always need, when you're going through... Something that's that's serious, all the help in the world is needed. You know what I mean? And we had a bondage where I thought he would tell me, but the bond we had was so strong, he knew it would hurt me, so he didn't want me to know. Mm. You know what I mean? But when I see him in the afterlife, we got to have a little... We got five minutes, yeah. <laughs> For sure. It's crazy that he wanted you to get on the song Push So Bad because, like, on that first Clips album. No, it's, the lo- it's me and Styles, all the locks. You know what I mean? We work right. together, but he always wanted me and Push to just do a song. Okay. Just me and him, so. But that first, that verse on the fucking Clips album is, like, probably one of the best verses from Jadakiss of all time. I don't know if, <laughs> if you would be willing to acknowledge that, but it's like certain people when they go to get a Jada verse might get a, a, a standard verse, and I just felt like that was the fucking hella amped up version. Yeah. I mean, it felt, you know, it was coming from from Virginia at the time. You know, that's when the music was different. It was, it, was, it was good. Yeah. And I mean... To a certain extent, too, you had to be kind of excited that there was such explicitly cocaine-based music coming from a different yeah, region. Loved it. You know? loved it. That was, you know, that was that's right up our alley. So yeah, that's why it might sound so happy to to do that joint. It was an easy, easy record to do. Like the beat and the content and the texture was what we do. There's certain bars that just get stuck in your head for the rest of your life. One JD, my whole life I've been saying I'm about to get a gallon of water. And I say it exactly like you say it. But probably nobody in my life gets that I'm saying it like that for that reason. And actually, I might have forgot as well that I'm saying it. Allen with quarters. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. You just needed a rhyme at that moment in that song. And you were just, it felt like you just were like, oh, I'm just going to be completely honest at this moment. I I literally just need a, a gallon of water. Nah, the, when I was talking about a gallon of water, it's actually dust juice. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know you were still on that you know at that I mean? time. <laughs> nah, I was selling it. I use it. <laughs> but still, that was about a little late in your career. I felt like at that point, you probably really like. No, but I was just going to get it to somebody and let them knock it off. I wasn't, I wasn't actually going to sell it myself. Yeah. I was going to put it on the island and break it up into quarters. You never smoked dust? You're too million. young for that? Nah, I'm not too young for it. My, my, they, that dust is, Yankees is a dust town. It's a bunch of zombies walking around Yankees. Still to Still this day? To this day. They didn't them. replace that shit with meth and all this other stuff? Yankees didn't want meth. They kept <laughs> dust. They said, we, we're going to skip on meth and keep dust. Right. They might got a little bit of meth, but it's more dust than Yankees. Right. That's yeah. the weird thing when you're interviewing like Wu-Tang and shit is you know all them dudes smoke dust. And I just want to hear some dust stories. Yeah, it's a cow. <laughs> 
That was a little bit before my time. I wasn't. That wasn't my twist. Right. Staten Island, you know. We're operating on a different level over there. Yeah, the Bomba Z. Hundred <laughs> percent. But yo, that 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 clip song. This is also another thing that's been stuck in my li- in my head my entire life. Jada, the name is filthy, but know what? The motherfucking game is filthy. And you know what? My moms and my pops really did a good job. But it my was the dagger in the game that <laughs> built me. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's just, I don't know. It's See, just, you're a good listener. You got different type of ears. Mm. You know what I mean? And you, you got the ears that I appreciate. If it was more people that listen like you right now and be a little more, it would help the balance scale a little. Was, you know, I've been doing interviews all last two, three weeks. But mm. before I came here, I was somewhere and I was telling them about balance. Um, the game of course is evolving and dudes are getting money and shoe deals and movie deals and all type of business ventures but the balance is off a little for mm-hmm. um for every one Griselda is five hundred bullshits. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's where the the T squared, the liquid on the T squared ain't it ain't balanced because they they let one Thing in like Griselda, and then they flood the gates with a bunch of that bullshit. So, but Griselda you know, we could just get a little more balance. Griselda's so motivational because it's just a reminder that if you stay incredibly true to what you, you are right, into, you stay to the, you stick the course. You know, stick to the course. You'll 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 break the the door down. But it's not as easy for them type of groups to. It's a slow burn. To, to get it like that. But yeah, it's we dope. need to let some more. Seeing Rock Nation be so behind them, seeing the industry as a whole support them so much. Because realistically, you go watch Griselda interviews from a year, two years ago. It's like everybody in the media was huge fans of them before it felt like it really started to hit before with Before it, it connected population. with the world, yeah. But it's, you know, better late than never. Mm. Benny actually called me while I was getting lunch earlier, and I was extremely excited. I'm like, guess who I'm interviewing today? That's my dog. He was very impressed. That's my guy. Yeah. Is there a, I mean, you've worked with them. You had that one song, Plugs We Met. Is there, could you see yourself working with them on a more serious level? Like doing more songs or even yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we in the talks to do some, some work, you know? Mm. Man. Oh, really? Yeah. You got a little bit of a smile there. I feel like we could have something good on the way, yeah, huh? Yeah, we got, we won't work. We got something, something up the sleeve. Mm. Do you ever hear, like, Griselda or any other notorious Coke rappers use a Coke bar that you've pretty much already completely said? And you're like, damn. I hear a lot of them. I hear a lot. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily from Griselda, but they probably said something. Everybody. You know? mm. At a certain point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, after all these years, it's just it's got to be kind of tough to come up with it. saying it a different, different way. Mm. Everybody's saying the same damn thing. Is who can slip it in with that wittiness. You know what I mean? 100%. Um, so everybody knows about you pushing the album back or removing the song because you, you were somewhat affected by Pop Smoke's passing. Um, what did you think of him on a musical level? I thought he was dope. He brought that energy. He had that 50 similarity with 50, but he had that, that energy that New York needed. Um, 
thought he was going to be have a good upside. You know, I thought it was sky's the limit for him, and it was a very unfortunate, tragic accident uh, and a big hit for hip hop. You know, I got a son that's older than him, so that's why it it uh, it hit home because this ain't what hip hop is supposed to represent. You know, but I blame. I blame a lot of people with that. The label, somewhat his staff, you know? Because if you, if you sign an artist that's actively or claiming a gang, you know, to be a blood or a crip, you got to put some type of force field around them if, if, you know, this is your new premier artist. You can't, you got to be some type of leash there where you... you, you you letting them be him, but you you protecting them. You gotta protect the. You gotta protect them. You know what I mean? And I don't know what happened. I don't know the preliminaries, but I just think he could have been. You know, he's a crip. He's in California. Beef up the security. Mm. Make the Airbnb in a more discreet location. Something, all type of things. You know, when it's your time, it's your time. But you could try to help it a little bit. We can't. Can't just. And, and and in this particular business, when you get successful, you get a target on your back. So you got to move extra courses just off that alone. Right. You know what I mean? So. But do you, is, the question is really, like, how much do we expect of the labels? Like, to what extent? A lot. You're making them a lot of their money. They can they can get you some security, your management, somebody. So it doesn't have to be one person collectively get together and figure out something. Hmm. You can't just, you know, the artist is generating the bread. You're not going to protect the artist. But in those first couple of years that you blew up, how differently... Rough Riders. If I, right. we, didn't have, we didn't have the security with Armani suits with the thing in the air that, you know, used to watch the president, but we had Rough Riders protecting us probably better than that. <laughs> So, you know, it all goes to, you know what I mean? You yeah. don't need to see that type of shit happen. Right. Was there ever, like, a hard point, though, where you were like, you know what, I don't want to be standing around in the neighborhood at night anymore. It just feels like it's a little too dangerous. Or where you really started moving in such a yeah, way that you, you really gotta, want to protect yourself. You got to move right no matter where. It can happen anywhere. It can happen in Disney World. So it ain't, it ain't, it ain't really that. But, you know. The more you obtain success, the your life has to change. Your surroundings have to change. Your entourage has to be people that's really there and care about you and not just there for the bread or for the benefits. And you know, it's gonna take some trials and tribulations to really figure it out and trim the fat and get it right, but you gotta start somewhere. Mm. And also the quicker you blow up, the harder it's gonna be because you you're doing it on the whim now. Right. You know what I mean? So it's all good. Just figuring it out yeah. on the spot. Mm-hmm. But there was an old video that I always wanted to ask you about where you're on the blog. It got uploaded about 11 years ago, but you're really <laughs> upset because somebody drank your rosé. That's my man. What? It's Mark. It's his birthday today, right? What? Yeah. It's that dude. That's, that my, man. That's my man, White Mark. Yeah, okay. I grew up with him. It's his birthday today, actually. What, he turned 42? Happy birthday, yeah. 42? White Mark, turning yeah. 42. But, um... 
What happened was we had a tournament on the block. I, I, it was a midnight tournament. Um, I put I put a basketball court on my block, and it was a nice tournament. And we um we just won the championship. Uh-huh. So after all of the madness died down and all that, I had a bottle of rosé that I was going to drink on the crate. And he just, somebody gassed him. Nikki Black, actually, I think gassed him to open the bottle. But um, I was playing with him, but I was also showing him, you know, it's the principle of things that, it's little things in life that could get you hurt. You know what I mean? Mm. You had a bat so in the hand next at one point bought, there. Yeah, he came back <laughs> with another bottle the next day. Oh, he made it right. Yeah. All right, that was a good thing. Um, you still drink much? Nah, nah, I'm more of a smoker. Mm. I hear that. I take a few. If you see the shots I take, they're not even shots. Oh, yeah. Like, I might drink like three of those in the club. The the, the alcohol damaged you the next day. Yeah, you can smoke all you want. You just feel a little foggy drink the next water morning. water with it, you be all right. Yeah, yeah that's real. The liquor put you down. Do you... um. In, in a weird way, I feel like that second career renaissance I'm talking about, like 20, 2006, 2007, that a lot of that was like very much the smack DVD stuff and that we were seeing you really on the block and it really helped to like contextualize you as like a brand new rapper to us at the time as just like a young straight fan. I felt like a lot of that smack shit kind of to come up also to come up exactly it took a lot of like existing rappers that we already felt like we knew and like kind of exposed them on a different level and made us feel like we knew them a lot better yeah. and at, at that point in your life it's like you really did not have to be on the block filming for a street dvd you know mm -hmm. but you were and it made it just feel real as fuck to us yeah i mean no that's just the elements you know and this game is always a bunch of other elements besides the music and rapping and production that you need to give your career legs be it doing that kind of stuff be it whatever it is but you know you're gonna have to do some out of studio elements to give your career them legs yeah unless you're just a lucky one of the lucky crabs in the bucket we really thought that you must have been from the craziest hood ever too because of the full shooting the gun in the air <laughs> Yeah, that dude just got, I, I think he's in jail or he just got out. He's still in jail or he, he went to jail for that. Really? Yeah. For that? Yeah. Holy shit. They came and got him for that, doing that stupid shit. Wow, that's crazy. Because <laughs> I was living in Astoria at the time, and we really did not know it was going down like that, like anywhere in New York. You know, I just hadn't seen the, the whole shooting a gun in the air thing yet at that point in my life. Shit. Better than shooting it at somebody. Yeah, you know, a little bit better than that for sure. <laughs> yeah, but that was the crazy. That was the good old crazy days. Hundred mm, percent. So this is the last album for Def Jam. Nah, not necessarily. Nah, I don't think so. I think I think we got some more business to do. Right. I mean, I owe I owe another album or two anyway. So right. I ain't going the, the athletic route where I just wanna. Negotiate, renegotiate before it's time. Mm. When it's over, it might just be over. But right, right now, I still contractually got some business to tend to. Right. Do you think that Paul Rosenberg leaving is probably going to be good for the for the building, or do you think that that's going to hurt it? Sense of chaos. My man, PR. I, I, I didn't really think he was going to be there long anyway. Oh really? No. He, so much going on with Shade. You know, Shady Four or Five and. Um, M's career, that that was a, that was like a side job for him. Mm. You know what I mean, I didn't, I seen him 
too too much on his plate with, with the things he was already involved in before that. So it didn't really wasn't a shocker to me because I didn't see him being there for a bunch of years. And you know what I mean? Got to be too hard to monitor one of the biggest artists ever and be the head of Def Jam is. That's too much for anybody. And to have a family with kids and a wife and go crazy. Would you ever want a job like that? Yes, for a short amount of time, too. Mm. I get in, give everybody I know that rapper deal. <laughs> <laughs> and then soon they're going to call me, you know, the head guys, Vivendi in them is going to call me and say, yo, Kiss, what you doing? Nah, but I, I think I think they need some of some of my type of dudes to be some of these executives, me and Jim Jones and right. Styles and some of the dudes that really know the ins and out of, you know, been through the chambers of this game to help some of these new artists navigate, you know what I mean? I think it will help. But could you imagine yourself putting on a suit every day and going to office? Is there a, sure. a part of you Sure, I got no that... problem with putting on a suit. I right. like suits. Let me get a corner office. Let me do that same bullshit they do. Right. You can see. His, you think you could like actually enjoy that like lifestyle though? Like waking up early, putting a suit yeah, on. Yeah, man. I'm, from how I'm seeing them do it, I think I could do the same shit. Mm. And I think I could do it better than some of them, than a lot of them. I mean, that's always the I was an artist. It's yeah. like who knows? It's like the, the, it's like the than... analysts on TNT. Besides Ernie. Mm. They played the game, so as you know, what I mean, how many how many executives were actually artists, or you know, this is a game that goes off who you know. Oh no, nah, I'm running a company now. I know you, here. that's your job. Just do this. Take that office right. Right. So that's still, it's not like that, all the way, but it's still somewhat. That's all around the world happened. Do you think that the Dev Jam brand name still holds weight like it did at a? A certain point many years ago, you think that the fans the, the, still care? The, the, the logo and the name is is going to be strong forever. Mm. It's just the tightening up the the transmission of what makes the label the label the the most best label in the world is is because of the way it was ran and how it was you know pumping out hits and making artists doper and you know. Now is it, they're working, but it, it ain't the it ain't the same. It ain't the same. You want to know another Jada bar that's been stuck in my head for a couple of decades? Sure. I'm in the hood like them little motorcycles. Yeah, you remember them things took over for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said that line like <laughs> almost that like the week that I noticed. Like, yeah. damn, them little motorcycles is everywhere this summer. <laughs> you just hit us with that things, line. Man. I said, I knew that would, I knew that would, I knew that would resonate because. I was just riding around the city seeing them things everywhere. Right. But, um, yeah. You probably had a line, too, like, I'm in the hood like them hoverboards. <laughs> I mean, five, six years ago. Yeah, they took Remember over, that? too. I was too busy busting my ass riding. I seen a kid on a hoverboard in the hood the other day, and I was just like, damn. I thought that was over. I did not know yeah, that I was I gave all going. mines out. I gave them to my, my nieces and nephews and kids. Yeah. 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 Definitely. There was like a whole era where there was so many rap lyrics that were like, I'll hit you with a gun the size of blank. You remember that era? <laughs> <laughs> it was like little bow wow. Yeah. I'll hit you with a gun the su- size of a sub from Subway. 
and all that. I, think, I forget if you said that. It might have been Cassidy. Somebody said that. No, I ain't say that. <laughs> that was definitely not me. A gun the size of a sub from Subway. Or you pull up in a car the color of. Yeah, we we a lot we, of that. we really was at the helm of that. The cars the color of something was. Mm. We came in doing a lot of that. Because that's really like you guys are like such leaders in the field of punchline rap that then that's the kind of stuff that up-and-coming rappers here and it just sort of melts into their brain and then they sort of just end up sort of regurgitating punchlines like actual clever punchlines that they heard earlier in their life they use them they use them again. and they just regurgitate, they regurgitate it to the point to where it don't even matter anymore yep. <laughs> I agree. that's real um and then one more oh, man this is so bad that i keep doing this but this is another one no, it's good this is it. i'm here i can stay here all day if you mm. No, you know yeah. I mean? don't that's mind. totally fine. Don't mind me. We can reschedule some things, man. I'm at no jumper, ma. I made it, ma. <laughs> I had a bitch named Superhead. She yeah. gave Superhead. She moved in the building. I can drink this? Yeah, of course. She even gave the Superhead. I've said that line to so many fucking people who don't know what a superintendent is. I don't know if that's a thing out here, or am I just around rich people now? People don't really got apartments like that. They don't like know that. who is super. These people the super. that never had a super. Everybody says I mean landlord, that. which they say landlord on the East oh, Coast, too. Oh, I mean, too. landlord, you're right. I, I, I grew up hearing both of them. I, you know, I, thought, I always thought they were the same thing for me. Right. No, yeah. that was a beautiful era. That was a good one. <laughs> she actually, that actually got Corinne Stephens' her name. So she, had, she said she, she, she took that. Some bars and got her name Superhead off that. So I'm glad I was able to help her. Helping that. elevate females at yeah. that time in your career is a different it was a different time. Yeah, that's a that's a you know, a blessing without knowing you did something. I know you're at a different point in your life, but how do you feel about how the game has changed in terms of all these girls who are out here, everybody got OnlyFans, they got the Instagram photos are just so unbelievably manicured. It's crazy. It's crazy, but um, I ain't mad if you if, if you able to create a revenue stream for your family and yourself and your kids, you know, without actually going out hurting nobody. You can alter some pictures and throw them up and whatever you got to do to put booking info in your bio. Right. When, when you May see the that, Lord bless you. When you see yeah, booking info. Just, what do you think that means? It's like. <laughs> It's, that became inevitable now. Every any anybody who looks halfway like something, if you just look at the bio, it says the booking info. Like book you for what? Mm. What are you? What are you? Uh, you know, you never, it works. I guess don't break it. You never got to that point though. Everybody always talks about how New York is such like a crazy strip club bartender culture and shit. Did you kind of right, right you avoid most of that? I went to the strip clubs, but. Being around the world, uh, the best strip clubs was never in New York. Oh, really? Never. Mm, that's interesting. Even when they was at the highest, you know, even when New York club scene was really, really rocking, the strip club scene was always just, it was cool. It was never like Miami or Atlanta or Houston or none of them type of places. Yeah, because they can't get naked and shit. Like, yeah, they're that's telling what I'm me saying. they got they leotards never, on. Shit. You go to the strip club in New York, they got on long johns, everything, swim trunks. 
No, I mean, that ain't the same thing as I ain't like going to Miami or Orlando. That kind of makes sense to me because it's like now when I go to downtown Manhattan, you go to downtown. Yeah, they got board shorts on. (laughs) (laughs) You go to downtown Manhattan, it's so many cops. It's like I don't think there's anywhere else on earth that you're going to see more cops than when you're in Manhattan. Facts. So it kind of makes sense to me that when you go to the strip club, that the girls have more restrictions on them there than anywhere else in the world. That kind of, it adds up to me. It sort of hurts, but, you know, it, it's, it seems very New York in a way. And then there's no liquor. There's, you know, it's, it's, the rules is crazy. But yeah. hopefully we get some laws passed or something and elevate the strip club scene in the city. That would be amazing. But who's out there fighting that fight, you know? We're alone. It's just us. We're alone. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh what's the good life for you at this point? Like what are the things chilling that you want to emphasize? Kids, man. Mm. Chilling with the kids, seeing them smile, running around and Dave and Busters trying to win tickets and points and win them some things and you know, going to school plays, going to parent teacher. Uh just stuff like that. You ever walk in there to do the parent-teacher conference and, like, every other dude who's sitting there waiting with his kids just realizes it's you and it's just a, it's yeah, a thing? Yeah, I get them stares and what's ups and, you know, I get that. But I, I try to not be kissed when, I, mm. when I'm with my kids. I'm, I'm daddy or I'm Jason, you know. I try to keep that balance I was telling you about when I'm at work and kiss when I'm home. I'm daddy and Jason, so, you know. Got to always ride the fine line. It's like when you're in the crib long enough or when you're not around that element long enough, and then all of a sudden you just plunk yourself into an environment and you almost kind of forget that you're popping for a minute. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I had that happen to me the other day where I was in the crib with my girl for like two days. I walked into the Starbucks looking so terrible. And like four fucking teenage employees at the Starbucks just lose their mind on me. And I'm just like... Right. Like, you just literally forgot. Oh, yeah. Forgot anyone would give a shit about me here. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird uh, line to walk. But does it ever feel like you're walking away from the the family stuff and having to go do this kind of stuff or go do the rap stuff? And does it ever really feel like, damn, like maybe this just doesn't necessarily feel the same way that it used to for me. I got to go out and, and put my rapper hat on. Nah, I'm good because it ain't, you know, I balance it well. Mm. And then if you're away too long, you just fly the family in, you know what I mean? And so you don't lose too much touch, you know? Mm. Let them enjoy some of the demographic of where you at. 100%. To work it out. Definitely. Um, you still do the crustless pizza or crust-only pizza, sir? I actually just had a few. Really? On the ride over here. So you guys are used to seeing this? Yeah, because wow, they right. eat the other... They eat the... They eat the, the other cheese. part. Yeah, they eat the cheese in the, the in the rest of the middle part of it. Because that logic of like the cheese is bad for you, so I'm just gonna eat the crust. It's kind of interesting. No, no, I mean, if you just like it, it the is cheese what it is. is too much. Mm. I didn't start off like that. I used to. I, I love pizza, but you know, dairy's not really good for you. So I cut pizza out altogether. Try to lay it, you know. They got they got it with the sauce and arugula. You should try it. Try it. Oh really? I like it. Yeah. yeah, it's mainly the carbs that are an issue for me. I'm yeah. Just, oh, you, you know, you're a carb watcher. That's good. Yeah, I'm 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 on a nice 
core carb watch out myself too. Right. right. You ever go hit the bar anymore? Yeah, yeah. I got my trainer with me. He downstairs in the oh, giant yeah. the bartender, the bar father. He's he's one of the bartenders though. He's the head bartender. Oh, okay. He's he's with me downstairs in the car. Because yeah. I met them in 2007 in the Styles P Blow My Mind video. Yeah, which giant. I, I, he was there. Yeah. I rode a BMX bike in it, and that was the first time I think I was ever around rappers. That's ill. So even just seeing like Styles like smoke, smoking a blunt, I think he took the blunt and like put it out on a, in a napkin to come out and do a scene. I'm like 21 watching that, just like, oh my God, that was so sick. He had a blunt. He put the blunt out so he could go rap. Put it in the napkin. <laughs> I remember losing my mind over the video girls too, and even like the photographer was just like, they ain't shit, don't worry. <laughs> in retrospect, he was probably right. But anyway, everybody gotta go listen to that album. Yeah, Ignatius, man, is out right now. Great body of work. You know, listen to it, absorb it. It sounds like nothing out there. That's why you should listen to it even more. Give Jada his flowers. Go out there, stream that shit. You heard that, man. No jumper, I made it, ma! <laughs> Jada Kiss, no jumper. Thank you. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support.